sometime after the fifth. All right. She and I are going to go out to dinner after the fifth before she starts the treatment. All right. But, yeah. Okay, so we'll keep praying for that. You know, one thing, we, we lift all these people up in prayer, but, but the thing that I'm seeing here is the connections that we have with these people, and that's what we need to pray for. Mm-hmm. We need to pray that when, that when we need to realize that when people come to us for prayer is a good thing, but yet we also got to get that gospel message out to these people if they do not know Christ. And if they know Christ, just to encourage them and, and walk with them while they're in, while they're in their ailments. So, uh, good to know. So, Ruth chapter 4. And we're going to continue on with that uh, this week. Does everybody have a handout? So hopefully you guys have enjoyed going through the book of Ruth. We're getting down towards the end. I think I'll probably have one more time after this one. Uh, but we've got down to chapter 4, and, and I called chapter 4 Love's Reward because in this chapter we, we see the reward of staying faithful to the Lord. And we see it basically, we're focusing on Ruth, but yet in this chapter we see that also pertains to Boaz, because he's been faithful. And we see that with Naomi, because even though she had wandered away from God, she's got back into the land, back to serving the Lord, back to praising the Lord, and so she gets a reward also. So in this chapter, we're going to see that. And I think I just gave you the first three blanks. Since we see in chapter 4 the Lord's reward for Boaz, for Ruth, and for Naomi. You know, I think a lot of times people get so tunnel vision in in who they are. Because the Old Testament Jews got tunnel visioned into, they thought it was all about them and nobody else. Okay? In the New Testament, a lot of times we think about the church and we really don't think about the Jews. But yet God is God is not a respecter of persons. He wants every person to come to repentance, to come to knowing who he is. And so we need to realize, you know, today there are people that say, well, all those promises that God gave to the Jews, they they rejected Christ on the cross and they came to us and now we we get all those promises. No, no, no. The Bible says that that he is concerned with the Jews, he's concerned with the Gentiles, and yet when we go through the book of Ruth, we see that Ruth is a picture of, uh, Boaz is a picture of Christ, and, and we are a picture of the church, and yet Naomi's in this, who's a picture of Israel, and she, I'm, getting, I'm letting the cat out of the bag, she also gets blessings, just like the church does. So, uh, and we saw last week that God the Son marries the church, and God the Father is married to uh, Israel. And so they both intertwine, and so we need to realize that. Yes. Last night we had one of my friends was over, and she was telling us this is awesome. She was telling us when she was little that. Um, her dad would hook up a little trailer to their car and they would go out to the fields where they had <clears throat> combined the corn and they would pick up the stuff and shake it and do all that stuff and take it to the elevators and get money for it. She said it wasn't much, much money, but um, it was a lot of work. She said it was hard work and I almost said, I thought it, but it didn't come out. But I, that's just like Ruth in the Bible. But I'll have to say it again, but it won't mean the thing. But I'm thinking, this was this hits home, you know? I mean, you read it, and you see it, and you... But to actually hear Jeannie say that that's what they did to get some extra money, like, wow. Yeah. And so, in this group here, we've probably done things like that. How many of you have picked up pecans or walnuts to sell? I haven't picked up many pecans, but I did walnuts till my hands were black, or green or black. Or so we've been there. And what did we do that for? Just for fun? Well, mostly we did it to sell, but but. Uh, but to eat also. So our society is, you know, I like that story of Henny Penny, you know, the chicken that makes, that you know, has the flour and makes the bread and all that. That's us because we live in a, or have lived in an agricultural type setting and we realize what work is. 
and nothing is given to us. And just like Naomi and Ruth, so it does hit more close to home. So back in our handout, it says, Boaz stayed faithful to the Lord by obeying his word and, and his laws. He stayed in Bethlehem during the drought. And as a result, the Lord blessed him and brought to him a virtuous woman. Okay? Now, the, the, the word virtuous only occurs three times in the Bible. One here, once here in the book of Ruth, and the other two places are in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4. And Proverbs 31.10, where it talks about the whole chapter is basically on the virtuous woman. So this is something you don't see a lot. This is, this is really focused here. So it says in our handout that Ruth stayed faithful to the Lord by being a blessing to Naomi and by following her to Bethlehem, by obeying Naomi and Boaz in the Lord's laws. And as a result, the Lord gave her a faithful man. Now I know there's there's not always a 100% correct answer on this. You could put a righteous man. You could put all kinds of things in here. But basically we see in this story that a, a virtuous woman meets the faithful man. That's it. So now, not to get, not to leave Naomi out, Naomi returned to Bethlehem, which is the house of bread, and back to the Lord, and the Lord gave her an inheritance. So I want you to think about this. When Naomi left, when Elimelech sold their land, and they went to Moab, he took his two sons and his wife Naomi with them, they had sold their inheritance in Israel. And when she got to Moab and her two sons died, boom. She has no more inheritance because she, there's no, there's no uh, children coming up behind her. There's no grandchildren coming up. She's out of the land. She is just out of it. But when she decides to come back, she gets right with the Lord and the Lord blesses her. I mean, that's a first... Remember I said back early, that's that's a First John 1, 9. When we get out of fellowship with the Lord, we just need to come back and repent. And what's God do? He blesses us. And, and Naomi is a picture of that. So that's kind of our little introduction. So I want you to go ahead and turn to Ruth, chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 9 through 17. And then we'll break it down and see what we can learn from that. Okay, So Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse 9. And Boaz said unto the elders and to the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. More, and I talked about that last week that it wasn't Ruth's decision, it was Naomi's. And it wasn't until Naomi gave that right over to Ruth that Ruth went and she you know, laid at Boaz's feet and he realized Naomi has given that right over to Ruth and now he decided to act on it because why? He wanted Ruth. Okay, But yet the neat part about that story is Ruth already chose him. So a picture of us and Christ. Christ already chose us, but he lets us choose him. And that's what true love is. It says, verse 10, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon. Now I wondered, I've been wondering, how do we know that Ruth was the wife of Malon? Right here. <laughs> Here's where it is. It says, so if you've been wondering that, because, you know, you've heard me say that several times. She was the wife of Malon. You're like, how did he know that? Because it says so right here. Verse 10. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among the brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. Let me stop for just a second. God is very concerned about our inheritance. God is very concerned about our family and the people that we bring to the Lord. In the Old Testament, everything was physical. Everything was physical. New Testament, 
It's not physical, it's spiritual. So the Lord is very concerned about our witnessing and bringing people to Christ because they are our inheritance. Okay? When we get to heaven, isn't it going to be neat when people come up and grab us and say, you had an influence in my life and we never knew him. You, you, because of you being obedient to the Lord, I'm here today. And they may be a generation away from us that we never knew. But it might be somebody else that we led to the Lord that leads somebody else to the Lord. So it's kind of like discipleship. God is very concerned about his inheritance. And when you look at it in the Old Testament, it was huge. I mean, having a family and having your bloodline to keep moving forward was huge. But the same thing applies to us in the church. We need, to have, we need to have a bloodline and we need to keep that going along. Can you imagine? Where would we be if people before us didn't tell us about Christ? We'd be lost. Think about the people before us that got us to the point where we received Christ as our Savior. I never knew my great-grandfather on my father's side. But I heard that when he got older, he got religious. Well, my family probably calls me a Bible thumper at the same time, but I'm like, what does that mean? When my great-grandfather got older, he got religious. I'm hoping it's just that you know he got more involved in serving the Lord. I hope that's what it is. So hopefully I'll find him at some point in heaven and I'll ask him about that. But you know what? And because we are obedient to the Lord, God will always bless us. And it may even, it, and I hate to say this, maybe maybe our kids may not catch it, but it may jump over to a grandchild or a granddaughter. So God will bless us. He is worried about, He is concerned, I'm not saying worried is the right word, He is concerned about the people coming behind us. He's concerned about our inheritance. He was here also. Okay? Let's see where I was. Where was I? Verse 11. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. So we're going to stop right there and we're going to go back and look at three things. We're going to look at Boaz's proclamation. We're going to look at the people's proclamation. And we're going to look at uh, the women's proclamation. So in verses 9 through 10, we see Boaz proclaim something. And, And your blank there, the first blank that you have there... Boaz says, I have bought, what it says, but, but also to be a little more technical in that term, I'm going to put down redeemed. Okay? Okay. So redeemed does mean bought, but it means a little bit more. Our handout says it means to buy back. Okay, so when Boaz, it says here, he says, I have redeemed, I have bought all that was Elimelech's, Chilion's, and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Now, in other words, uh, he's basically repurchasing what Elimelech had sold when they left for Moab. 
the land. So God's very interested in the land also. So he's repurchasing the land back. So he has to find who bought that land and says, hey, we need to keep it back in the family. So my right is to buy it back from you. So it cost him some money to buy this land. But he got more than the land. What else did he get? He got Ruth, he got Naomi, he got anything that pertained to what they had. Okay, So he makes this proclamation, and yet, that's kind of a picture of us in Christ. We at one time were under the bondage of sin, and a price had to be paid to free us. Okay, So Christ has redeemed us. He didn't just buy us, he redeemed us back. He bought us back, and the cost was the shedding of his blood. Okay? So, hold on to your place here in Ruth, and i got a couple places I want to look at. I want you to turn over in the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter... Chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19. And the Bible says here, says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Christ redeemed us from from our sin nature when he shed his blood. Okay? You can also see there that the blood of Christ is not corruptible. It can't be, you know, t- anything taken away from it or added to it or anything. It is without corruption. Right. And that's the only thing that could have paid for our sins was a perfect blood. A perfect, sinless person had to die for us. Then turn back in your Bible to 1 Corinthians. i got just one more place to go to. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. This is one of my favorite verses. In fact, I wrote it in the front of my Bible so I would remember it because I have trouble. I remember a verse and then I don't use it and I'll forget it. So i got to write it down. Yes, chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, "For For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God because He bought us. We belong to Christ because He redeemed us with the purchase of His own life. Okay? We are not our own. And that is the number one problem of the Laodicean church. We think it's all about us. We're all a bunch of narcissists. And I'm included. I mean, I have to stop and realize it's not about me. It's about Christ. When you see people, when they start putting themselves above Christ and saying, but, I know I should do this, but, i got to do this, you're in trouble. Because you have got to obey Christ. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, so that goes right along with it. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? Ye are not your own. Okay, so you know, one of, you know, we pray for people up here, which we should. But the number one thing I think we need to be praying, besides all this, is that we get an opportunity to share Christ with these people, and if not us, somebody else. I love the Apostle Paul when he's in jail and he's in jail and he's writing these letters out to people, and he says, you know, pray for me, and I I would say pray for me that get me out of this. Joint, pray for me. Send me, you know, send me a cake with a file in it. You know, do that. No, what does he pray for? He prays for an open door to get the gospel out. And he's in jail, and he's hurting. That should be our attitude. We need to keep that first. Give an open door to help whoever we have an opportunity to help. And that's why it's so neat when we have people come and ask us to pray for them. And, and our own kids. Our own kids are not really doing what God wants them to do. I'll just tell you that right now. 
But you know what? When they have, when they need prayer or they know somebody they know, they'll call us and they say, "Hey, will you pray for this person?" Okay. Well, I guess we had a little bit of effect on them, but you know that's a good thing. So that's what we need to focus on. Okay. So we are not our own. Okay. So then turn over. I got two more places. Turn over to Acts chapter twenty and verse twenty-eight. says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Talking basically here to pastors. Um, to feed the church of God. So it's the pastor's job to feed the church. Okay, we all know that. Which he hath purchased with his own blood. So the Lord Jesus Christ takes... You know, he wants he wants us to feed the church as being pastors, but he wants us to realize that he purchased that, and it cost us, cost him his life. It cost him his own blood. So, one more place, Revelation five nine. So we're all over the Bible with this, from Old Testament, the New Testament, all the way to the Book of Revelation. Revelation 5.9 says, this will be a, a good time, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, and for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So, in heaven, they're going to be singing a new song. And they're going to be admitting that Christ's blood has saved people out of every people group and every nation. Okay, So we have been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Ruth was purchased by Boaz, who again is a picture of Jesus Christ. So back to our handout. B says, I have... Now on this one I did put purchased... And I know I messed something up there. Nope. I think that's right. If you can I have purchased Ruth to be my wife. So he says, I have redeemed, but you could put redeemed, you can put purchased, you can put bought. He, uh, but he just actually says, I have purchased Ruth to be my wife. Why? To raise up an heir unto the name of Malon upon his inheritance. So Boaz pays off. The money that Elimelech owes to get the land back. And in doing so, he gets everything that would have been Malon's, Chilion's, and Emelech's had they survived. Okay? So he bought the whole farm and everything else. Okay? So under point two, I'm going to look at back in Ruth. Okay, so Boaz is done proclaiming what he's done. And then now the people proclaim... Or make a proclamation. And it's almost a proclamation. It's almost like we wish, we want this for you, but it has more, it has a prophetic tie to it when we look at it, okay? So we see that in verses 11 through 12. It says, And all the people that were in the gate, remember they went to the gate because that's where the business was done. And the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is coming to thine house like Rachel and like Leah which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrata, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which of the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So they're really kind of, you know, wanting, giving him a blessing almost in fact here. And and, it may, and in this blessing, it says, The Lord make Ruth like Rachel and Leah. That goes in your two blanks. Okay. Now it's interesting who they use for an example. The first two that, that they use are Rachel and Leah. And it says, Which did build the house... Now let's go back and look at that. Um... Verse 11, which two did build the house of Israel? That goes in your blank. Now, wait a minute. 
What does that mean? I thought that Rachel and Leah were the wives of Jacob. Why does it say Israel? Because his name changed to Israel. Very good. Okay. And again, it's a picture of the nation of Israel being founded here. So in Genesis chapter 32, let's go back and look at that. We're not just going to take Sharon's word for it. We've got to look it up. Genesis 32. Don't take my word for it either. Next week I'll have something I think I, I gave you a wrong definition earlier. I'm going to try to fix that next week, or the next time I'm, I'm in here teaching. He is teaching next week, the week after. So, yeah, I may, I may be out of town next week. Um, well, let's put it this way. I will be out of town most of next week. I'm going to a printing seminar. And so, um, but I get back late Saturday night, so I'll probably be wiped. So I did ask Rex to teach. So I hope it doesn't upset him if I'm in here. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, might make him a little nervous. I don't know. But uh, but the following week will be the following week. I'll be will be back in the book of Ruth, and then I'll. There's one pl- thing I do. I need to fix a little bit. Nothing major, but a definition. I've I've come to realize that definition wasn't exactly correct. So Genesis 32, verse 28. In fact, let's back up to verse 27. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Now Jacob is is actually wrestling with the angel of the Lord here. Verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Okay, so I'm not going to read the rest of the story there because that's a neat story in itself. But there was a time when God told Jacob, I'm going to change your name from Jacob to Israel. Okay, now also turn over to um, Genesis 35, next chapter over. Yes. To me it's interesting that Rachel was put before Leah, before Leah when Leah is the oldest. And she's the one that was given to Jacob first, and Jacob was mad because he wanted Rachel. But he, in the Bible, in this part, Rachel is given the place that she deserved because she was supposed to be, you know, the first one. And the but the first children of Jacob or Israel were from Leah, and not Rachel. And that's really very interesting. And the bloodline goes through who? Uh-huh. Judah, which is a son of Leah. So yeah, they kind of intertwine in there. They do from time to time. And I believe if you really want to find out, you'll find out that Jacob is buried with Leah. It's very interesting how those kind of... But, you know, when you have two wives, you get all kinds of problems. I have problems enough with just one, let alone two. Be careful. And it was also not with her. It was not just the two of them. She's probably telling me the same thing. It was not just the two of them, but also their maids. Their maids were... So there were four women involved there. Right. Yes. So it's it's a, just another little side note. So turn over to Genesis 35, and let's look at 10 and 12. Genesis 35. Genesis 35, 10 and 12 says, "I'll wait till you get there." And God said unto him, "Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but." Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come, shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. Okay, so again, he changes Jacob's name to Israel. Jacob, along with his two wives, bear the twelve tribes, the twelve sons that become the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, now, what's so important about Rachel and Leah, though? I want you to realize that both Rachel and Leah were Gentiles. Okay? 
And not only that, their aunt was a Gentile also. Can anybody tell me who their aunt is? I know that's that's a deeper question. Yes. It's Rebecca. Remember? Rebecca also came from the same place. You know, when, when Abraham wanted a son for Isaac, they sent them back up to uh, where he was from, back to where some of his family was, and they got a wife for his son Isaac, which was Rebekah. Well, when they sent Jacob away, remember Jacob kind of cheated uh, Esau, his own brother. Can you imagine two brothers fighting? And then uh, they sent him away because Esau said he's going to kill him. So they sent him back home and to where, and when he goes back home, he falls in love with Rachel and then gets Leah. And so, again, they're Gentiles. They're coming from a Gentile group. Okay? So that's what I want to point out. Jacob, who becomes Israel, and his two wives, Rachel and Leah, produced the twelve tribes, which make up the tribes of Israel. Okay? So, they say, let the Lord make Ruth like Rachel and Leah, because she's a lot like them. They're, they're all Gentiles. So, God's trying to put something in our head over and over and over. A Jewish man marrying a Gentile woman. Do you think God already knew the church was going to come along? Yes. He's trying to get that in our heads. Okay? So, he's, they use Rachel and Leah. And then it, he says, the people say, And do thou worthily in Ephrata. Now, we already talked about Ephrata. Um, Ephrata, let's go back and look at the verse. Well, first of all, I've got to get back to Ruth. Can anybody re- remember where who Ephrata or what Ephrata was? It's a place, okay? So it's a place. It's basically the region of around Bethlehem. Okay? So sometimes we saw we saw it back at the beginning of the of the book, we saw Ephrata and Bethlehem and basically um, one of them Ephrata is the region, Bethlehem is the city, okay? So, here's what I, I, I want to point out also. It says, And do thou, so these people are telling Boaz, And do thou worthily an Ephrata. Okay? So, let me go back. It's in verse 11. And do thou worthily an Ephrata. I looked up that word worthily. It's not very many times in the Bible. But it's translated three times in the New Testament as worthy in three locations. Okay? So those three locations are Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Ephesians 4.12 says, see if I'm right. Let me go back. No, I'm sorry. Ephesians 4.1 and 2. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So in the book of Ephesians here, Paul is telling the New Testament Christians how we are to act. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. He goes, you guys are Christians, you need to walk like it. And that's the same word that we see here translated worthily in Ruth. So when they say, and do thou worthily in Ephrata, they're basically telling Boaz, you need to walk worthy of who you are. Okay? Now it's also in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. Colossians 1 and verse 10 says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So when they're, again, they're talking to Boaz, and they say, and do thou worthily, they're telling him, you need to walk worthy of who you are. And then also in First Thess- First Thessalonians, 
chapter 2 and verse 12 says, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Now that is the only three places that this word worthily is used and translated in the New Testament. So it's tied to it. Okay. So when, again, they're telling Boaz to walk the talk, you need to walk. Your life needs to show who you are. Of course, he was already doing that. Ruth was already doing that. And they knew that, and they just, they say, you need to, you know, you need to be like this. And I just find that interesting. Out of all the places it talks about being worthy, there's only three places that it's that, that word worthily is translated worthy, and it's those three places. So back in Ruth, and he says, Now not only are you to walk worthy, Boaz, and it says, and be famous in Bethlehem. And that's what we all want, right? We want to be famous. All of us in here want to be famous, right? Not really. I, I tend to kind of let somebody else get up and be in the spotlight. I really, like doing announcements, I would really rather be doing anything else than doing announcements on Sunday morning. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. That, that. that freaks me out more than anything else. And I'm on the record here. They're going to come back and get me. But I'm like, that makes me nervous. Getting up and preaching didn't make me so nervous. But doing announcements just gets me. But I don't know. But you, know but, you do a good job of the announcements. You, well, thank you. You make it sound like though you're enjoying doing it. At least I feel like Boy, am I good. <laughs> but now you know. Now you know. I'm trembling and in fear. Uh, but it says, and be famous. Because I really just don't like the spotlight. And I think Brian, Pastor Brian had said, you know, I never thought I'd be up and being a pastor. That's, that's not me. But you know what? That's what God put him to be. You know, just naturally he's not you know, a, a, probably a speaker and a lot of us are not and, and I don't really tend to be but and it says and be thou famous basically it doesn't mean that it means to be known that your name will be known so each one of us we don't want to be famous but you know what we want people to know who we are so when people go oh um, I can call grandma or, or uh, Bobby and she'll pray for me because you're known Okay, we want to be known and not really seen, you know. That's my point. Be thou famous in Bethlehem. Now we have, he wants you to be, walk worthy in that region, Ephrata, but also be known, be established in the city. And of course, we know that Boaz was, okay. He was one of the leaders of the city. He was one of the people at the gate. Turn over in your Bible to Micah. I know, Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. And and I'll have problems getting there just as much as you will. Micah chapter 5. So let me see if I can help you out a little bit. Uh, it's behind Amos, if that helps you out. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Micah. I have to go through that little song in my head, kind of, to get all the... When I was a kid, I was in Sunday school or Bible school. One, I learned the Bible, books of the Bible, by doing a song. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, you know, I learned the New Testament that way. And I didn't quite learn the Old Testament that way. But every time when I get to a book, I'm like, Matthew, Mark, Luke. i got to go through the song in my head to get to the right spot. And so I will, I will tell you this. This is this is a funny. I'm just going to throw this in for free. When I first started shepherd school I, and I, I went in there, I'm like, Lord, Help me not to look out of place today, because I felt like it. Um, I want to. I want to be. I don't even want to be seen. I don't want to be heard. I just want to sit here and glean what I can. And so when I went there, and I'm like, now when 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 the pastor or the teacher says, turn to a minor prophet or turn to others, please help me find that book because I don't want to sit there and just look like an idiot. You don't want him to say that you're looking at the front of your Right. Well, everybody else is there and I'm still rattling through my book, you know. And so it worked out perfect. The Lord answered my prayer. I'm like, either like, turn to Zephaniah 3.10, turn to uh, Joel this, turn to Ezekiel. And I was just flipping and the pages was just falling right on the page. And I got, I got this, man. I don't know what I was worried about. I don't know why I'm so upset about this. I have this. And the guy, the next verse was turned to John, and I couldn't find John. And it's like, God, I'm telling you, Bob, I'm telling you, you don't know everything. I'm like, where's John at? <laughs> like, oh, well. 
Then I was nervous. But anyway, uh, Micah 5.2 says, But thou Bethlehem, notice the city, Ephratah, that's the region, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Okay? So there's a, there's a prophecy right there in Micah about where Christ would be born at. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And guess what? Is he famous? He's famous. He is known. He is established. Okay? So, again, we're talking about Boaz here, but some of the things that are spoken of Boaz are really prophecy talking about Christ because Boaz is a type or a picture of Christ. Okay? So, number D there, it says, uh, number D, letter D. And let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh's whom Tamar... T-M-A-R. Okay. Tamar, bear unto Judah. Okay. Now, Pharaoh is also a forefather of Boaz and in Boaz's bloodline. But Tamar was the woman he took to be a wife. And the main point, again, is she was a Gentile. Okay. Again, do not miss the picture. A Jewish man marries a Gentile woman and it happens over and over and over in the Old Testament. I don't know why the Jews could not figure this out. But when the church comes, we should realize that because we are Gentiles and Christ marries us and it's nothing new. God had it in the bloodline all the way back. Okay, You and me, Gentiles, are purchased by a Jewish man to be his wife. Now that hasn't effectively happened yet because right now we are his bride. But one day there's going to be a wedding. How many of you are looking forward to that wedding? All of us, right? We should be. How many of you look forward to your wedding when you had a wedding? Right? We should be looking forward to to uh, marrying Christ. Number one, seeing Christ, and then marrying Him because Christ redeemed us, and He paid that cost. Okay, so we'll try to see how much farther we can go. Number three on our handout. So we looked at what Boaz proclaims at the gate. We've looked at what those ten elders, those ten people at the gate that 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 uh, kind of were witnesses to what was going on here. We looked at what they proclaimed, but now we want to look at what the women proclaim. So the next blank is women's. What the women, the women's proclamation. So it is women's goes in your blank. And their proclamation was to, at first you would think it would go to Ruth, but it doesn't go to Ruth. It goes to Naomi. Naomi goes in your second blank. Because God is not finished with Naomi in this story. Again, we get focused on Ruth. But Naomi is right there also. Verses 14 and 15, back in the book of Ruth. So, the first thing they say, Blessed be the Lord. That's the first thing they tell her. So they're blessing God because of all all the things that happened. Number one, it says, Because He has not left Thee without a kinsman, and your blank is goes a redeemer. Not only, I mean, a lot of people had a kinsman. How many of you have cousins and uncles and all that? But how many of you have a kinsman redeemer that can purchase you? And interesting in this story, what would happen if there was only two kinsman redeemers in the story? One of them being Boaz. What if Boaz wasn't there? What if the other person hadn't been there? She would have just been out. So they had to have a redeemer. He was not, or she was not left without a kinsman redeemer. Okay? I'll just cheat. Okay. 
Then number two, that his name may be famous in Israel. So we already talked about that a little bit. But you know what? We can go back all through the Old Testament of prophecies of Jesus Christ that he would be known, he would be established, and people would know who he was. And if you're taking notes, you could go to Ezekiel chapter 20 and you could go to go to Joel chapter 3. Okay. In fact, this just this just go to go to Joel chapter three. I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make you guys work hard today with going through the minor prophets. Does anybody know a song or a saying that helps us with the minor prophets? The only thing I know is Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. That is easy. Just Hosea, Joel, Amos. I just wonder is anybody know anything? I don't have to. I'll have to look at that. I do know. It starts off with Hosea, Joel, Amos. Right after Amos is Otis. I'm kidding you. That's an old oil stove. <laughs> okay, so where did I say? Joel chapter 3, because this is... 3 or 20? Let's go to 3, because there is no 20. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was about to say... Oh, it's Ezekiel. Yeah. Joel chapter 3 is where we're going to. Joel chapter 3 and verse 17 says, So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall be no strangers pass through her anymore. And it shall come to pass in that day, that's the day that Christ comes back, that the mountain shall drop down new wine, and the hill shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and a fountain shall come forth out of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim, and Egypt shall be desolation, and Edom did I say it right? Egypt shall be desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion." All through the Old Testament, God is trying to teach the Old Testament Jews who He is. And yet they have a problem because they keep forgetting and not doing what he says. He wants them to know. In a couple of the Old Testament books, he goes, I, he goes, and they will know that I am the Lord. Over and over in that book, it will say that. Because the Lord wants us to know who he is because he wants praise and glory from us. Okay? So it says his name will be famous in Israel. It's not just a not just a, a reference to Boaz, it's a reference to Jesus Christ also. Okay. Number three it says the women say to Naomi that he shall be a restorer of thy life and a newer and nourisher. Am I saying that right? Nourisher in thy old age. And then again, talking more than just um, actually Obed here at this point, but also pointing to Christ because he's going to restore the nation of Israel when he comes back. Okay? Because remember Naomi, she was away from God and she's back in the land and God's going to restore. And he restored Naomi. He's also going to do that same thing with Israel. He's done that a couple times already. When they went back to God, he's restored them. When they, when they were in Egypt, God brought them out, brought them back to Israel and he restored them into a nation. When they went into exile to be slaves in Babylon. God brought them back under Ezra and restored them. And right now, and then they were scattered and then they came back during our lifetime, well, some of our lifetimes, 1948, and the nation of Israel was, was refounded again. He's kind of restored them, but that's just physical. He's going to restore them spiritually when he comes back physically. Now, So in other words, when Christ comes back, and we come with him, he is going to restore the nation of Israel to their inheritance in the land that they've already had. So we see here that he says that it that he shall be a restorer of thy life, Naomi, picture of Israel, and a nourisher in thy old age. And then number four, it says, For your daughter-in-law is better to you than seven sons. That's a pretty big statement. 
But think about what Ruth had done. Ruth had stuck by Naomi. She came back to Bethlehem with her. She provided food for her. She provided shelter for her. She treated her better than she did her own mom. And why was that? Because Naomi was her ticket to the Lord. Naomi was was the one that got her to the Lord. She was willing to give everything else up because of the Lord, but Naomi was the connection. Okay? And so she was good to Naomi. And remember we studied back in Genesis, if you bless the Jews, God is going to bless you. Okay? So now we have a story here where a Jewish lady gets redeemed. But guess what? Naomi was redeemed also in this story. We get a Jewish lady gets redeemed and a Gentile lady gets redeemed by Jesus Christ. I mean, by, well, by Boaz, but by by Christ. But the Gentile lady is married and connected to Christ where the Jewish lady is married and connected to God the Father. Okay? So God is not done with the Jewish nation. God's not done with the church. He loves them both and He has a plan for both. Okay? And in this story, again... We have a love story between Ruth and Boaz and Ruth, which is our love story between us and Christ. Okay, and so we'll continue on. So I've probably made that as boring as I possibly can today, but God puts things in His Bible, and I probably say things over and over at the same time. God wants us to know that His Son has redeemed us; He's purchased us with His own blood, and we need to walk worthily of that. So let's pray and we'll get get dismissed. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this story. And we thank you that it's not just a story, it's real life. It happened with with Ruth and, and Naomi and Boaz and it's happening in our life with us. And Lord, I thank you that that you have redeemed us. I thank you for the people in this room that have accepted that that payment and uh, Lord, I thank you for the promises you've given to each one of us because we've accepted Christ as our Redeemer. And we have an inheritance, and that's in Christ. We have a home in heaven. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Bible. We have the church. We have all these good things because you love us. And Lord, I pray that we would walk worthy of that. And I ask that today in Christ's name. Amen. I um, would like also to add, Brent and Oliver... The privilege. He's twenty something years old, and uh, he's had a fever since last Wednesday of over a hundred and two, and sitting at one hundred and four point four. And I don't know if they're um, taking me to the hospital or, or what, but my friend just asked me to put him on our prayer list. Okay. That's a nephew. Okay, Brenton. Where's he located? Here, close. Land. Or fell. It's over on the other side of Missouri, like in the center of Missouri.